Maybe some of you have had an experience like this. You're sitting with a large group of people and you're listening to, to someone tell a joke. It's a very detailed and long joke and he goes on and on and on. And then he finally gets to the punchline. And as soon as he hits the punchline, the room erupts with laughter. Except for you. You didn't get it. Somewhere in the, in the course of the joke, you missed maybe a fine detail that would have made the joke funny. Or maybe you just didn't understand a concept or a word that he said, but regardless, you missed something. And it left you feeling embarrassed. Have you had a, an instance like that before? Where you have to ask somebody why the joke is funny? We have other instances of this in our life. We've gone to school long enough to be taking notes while the teacher's talking. And whether we were daydreaming for a second or we were doodling on our page, we for, we'd forgot to listen. We didn't hear the teacher's main point. So when it came time for the test, and it was that simple question that everybody else in the class got right, you got it wrong. You missed a key piece of information. It leaves you feeling embarrassed and maybe even a little outcast. What if? What if you missed the good news? What if you lived your entire life racked in guilt over the failures and mistakes that you have made and you never knew that, that Jesus had come to take away that guilt and shame? What if on Judgment Day you never heard, had never heard the good news? It's my heartfelt prayer that that never happens. That everyone hears the good news. That Jesus came and died for their sins. Don't miss Jesus. In our gospel lesson for this morning, sometimes people miss it. They miss the main point of the story. And because they miss the main point of the story, they miss the good news. Don't miss the good news. Our gospel lesson for this morning follows Jesus' baptism. Do you remember that scene? Jesus is there with John the Baptist. He's standing in the river. And all of a sudden, the heavens are ripped open. And this booming voice comes from heaven and says, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. And then that innocent dove descends on Jesus. Could you have planned a better way for Jesus to start his ministry? No way. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's all in one place. What a glorious scene. And then, our section for today happens. Listen to the words from Mark. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was... He was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. 
Jesus wasn't wasting any time. Mark says, at once. The, word, the Greek word also means immediately. It's just pretty characteristic to how Mark writes. He writes this way and he becomes known as the action gospel. People call him that. Because he says things like this, at once, immediately, Jesus wasn't wasting any time. He began his ministry, and then, at once, he went out into the wilderness. Who sent him? You see that? The Spirit. The Spirit sent him out in the wilderness. That same Spirit that was descending on Jesus like a dove at his baptism sent him out into the wilderness. A wilderness that should not be taken lightly. Jesus wasn't loading up the RV and taking, taking the family camping. He was going by himself out into the Judean wilderness where there were wild animals. At that time in the wilderness, there were things like snakes, foxes, Jackals, hyenas, leopards, ferocious animals. Would you want to be out in the wilderness knowing that one of these animals might be crouching behind the bush as the sun went down and you couldn't see anymore? I wouldn't. Jesus was by himself, he was in a vulnerable situation. Do you think he brought a bed with him? No. You know, if I stay at a friend's house and I'm sleeping in someone else's bed that's not mine or sleeping on a couch or maybe in a sleeping bag on the ground, it only takes about two days, maybe three days, for me to just yearn for my own bed. I just want to go home and sleep in my own bed. Jesus, he didn't have a couch. He was sleeping in the wilderness. His sleeping conditions and the wild animals weren't the only thing either. This same story is recorded by Matthew in his gospel. And Matthew includes a detail for us there. He says that that Jesus was fasting for 40 days. Fasting means he wasn't eating, right? And the Jews would do this from time to time. It was a pretty common practice. They would fast, and they wouldn't eat from sun up to sundown. Whenever the sun was out, they would not eat, but when the sun went down, they could eat. But Matthew says that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He wasn't eating. As each day passed... Four days, 12 days, 28 days, he became hungrier and hungrier. As each day passed, his energy level lowered. Jesus was in a vulnerable and weak state. He was a human just like you and me. He experienced hunger just like you and I do. But his sleeping conditions, his hunger, and the wild animals were not even the most dangerous thing in that wilderness. Because Jesus was being circled by that roaring lion. 
Satan was prowling around Jesus, looking to devour him. He came at him with continuous and relentless attacks. Jesus was tempted in every way. Maybe you remember the, the story as it's recorded in Matthew 4, where Matthew gives us three specific temptations. Do you remember this? If you haven't heard this story before, or if you need a refresher, let me refresh you on the three temptations, the specific temptations that Matthew recorded. He said, the first one, Jesus hadn't eaten for a long time, and the devil came to him and he said, Jesus, aren't you the Son of God? If you're the Son of God, why don't you just use your power to help yourself? Turn these stones into bread, and and you can eat. That was the first temptation. The second one, he takes Jesus up on top of a high point in the temple. And he says to, to Jesus, God won't let anything bad happen to you on earth here, will he? Didn't he say in Scripture that he won't let the, the angels won't let you fall? Throw yourself off the temple and let God protect you. That was the second temptation. The third, he took Jesus to a very high mountain. He showed him all the the kingdoms of the world. And he says, why wait, Jesus? Why wait for heavenly honor? You can have honor right here, right now, on this earth. Just bow down to me, and I'll give you everything. I'll give you the whole world. Did he sound familiar? Do these sound like the ways that the devil still tempts you? You know, the devil has the same tricks. He packages it in different forms and sends it to us. But we're tempted in the same ways. Do you remember how Jesus fought these temptations, though? He said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He used the word of God. He used the sharp sword, the double-edged sword. He pulled it out of his sheath and he fought back that roaring lion. Think about that for your own life. When you are tempted by the devil, do you have passages rattling around in your head that you've memorized? That you can pull out like a sword and fend off? The devil. Have you equipped yourself with the word of God? What a powerful tool. What a great example that Jesus was giving us on how to fend off Satan. But here's the thing. If that's the only thing that you take from this story, then you're missing the point. If the only thing that you believe about Jesus is that he is a great example for your life, if that's the only thing you believe, you will be embarrassed on Judgment Day. Because how are you doing with Jesus' example? How about the times when you know that you are being tempted You know it, but either you're too weak, 
you're too tired, or you don't care, and so you just go along with Satan anyways. Or maybe this one sounds familiar. When Satan comes and tempts you, but you think, God's going to forgive that sin anyways, may as well just do it. That's a lie. You're abusing God's grace. You're using God's grace as a license to sin. Jesus wouldn't have done that. That wasn't Jesus' example. How about the things that you left undone? The things that Jesus would have done if he were you, but he didn't do, but you didn't do. If Jesus is only your example, then he didn't come to save you. He just came to show you how to live. Let me say it again. If Jesus is just your example, he didn't come to save you. If Jesus is just your example, you are going to miss out on heaven. Don't miss the good news. Because it's the good news that saves you. The story of Jesus in the wilderness, that's the good news. Because what was Jesus doing? He was winning your salvation for you. He was living a perfect life for you. He stood toe-to-toe with that roaring lion and he knocked him out. He stood toe-to-toe with that roaring lion and turned him into a cowering little kitten. Jesus won. He never sinned once. He never even thought about sinning. He was weak. He was tired. He was hungry. But he was never going to lose because he had you on his heart. And he wanted to save you. And he did. He lived a perfect life so that you will not be embarrassed on Judgment Day. You'll be honored by God on Judgment Day. That's the good news. Plain and simple. Sometimes when you're reading through Scripture, especially in a book like Mark that moves fairly quickly, you get space between verses. Mark didn't write everything down that Jesus ever said or ever did. So between verses 13 and 14 here, there's a gap, a time gap. And Mark makes that clear for us. He says, he gives us a a detail. He says that John the Baptist was thrown into prison. That's our, our time marker. A little bit later, after Jesus' temptation, John is thrown into prison, the the great preparer, the one who is preparing the way for Jesus. And now Jesus is beginning his preaching ministry. And he's teaching the people. And he's, he's saying a similar message to what John was saying. Listen to the next two verses that Mark records for us. He says, After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus says, the time has come. It it almost sounds like his judgment's coming, doesn't it? It's almost like Jesus is saying, time's up. 
You may think that if you didn't see the words before it, that he was proclaiming the good news of God, that what follows is the good news. The time has come. What was the time? Remember that Messiah that was promised way, way, way back in the Old Testament. That was promised century after century. The time has come. The Messiah is here. The Messiah is now preaching to you the good news of God. This Messiah was fulfilling prophecies that were made way in the past. Even something as simple as Jesus going up to Galilee, as we see in this verse, that was fulfilling a prophecy of Isaiah. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. He says, repent and believe the good news. What an awful news to come out of Florida this last week, wasn't it? It makes you sick to your stomach. Yet another school shooting. It, it makes me sick to think about how frequently these, these shootings are happening now. In the article I was reading, it said that this was the 18th school shooting just this year. In a month and a half, there's been 18 school shootings. It's unbelievable. The devil's working. You, you could see evil so clearly. Evil that's ripping families apart. And evil that's making us sick to our stomachs when we hear about it. It's pretty easy to see the evil out there. It's not so easy to see the evil in here. It's easy to see evil in other people. Not so easy to see our own evil. Imagine this. Imagine there was a news channel that covered all of the evil content of your heart. Would you want that? Jesus said that if you hate your brother, if you hate your sister, your boss, your president, your enemy, you're a murderer. That'll make the news. Jesus says that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, anyone who looks at a man lustfully, anyone who looks at a computer screen lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. That'll make the news. You may not have stolen anything in your life, but Jesus, but God tells us that we shouldn't covet, that we shouldn't even want what other people have. We should be content with what we have. It would not bring us any sort of joy to see that television station that covered the sins of our hearts. And it doesn't bring God any joy either. So Jesus says, repent. That means recognize what's going on in here. It means reflect on the inner contents of your heart, on your own sinfulness, because, because it's time for a radical change in your life. 
The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. It's time for the Messiah. It's time for Jesus. He says, repent and believe the good news. The good news that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for you. The good news that Jesus knocked out the devil. He defeated him. The good news that every time that you lost to the devil, every time you stood toe-to-toe with the devil and gave in to temptation or backed down from that fight, Jesus took that and he nailed it to the cross and got rid of it forever. The good news that, that Jesus' victory over death is your victory and now you have life. Jesus' victory covers your loss. That, that television station that was covering the evil things of your heart, Jesus canceled it. And in place of that, he put on a station that shows only what he did for you. That's what Lent's all about. It's about sitting back and meditating on the, the passion of Jesus. It's about sitting back and letting your heart feel peace, knowing that Jesus gave you his amazing grace. It's about soaking in God's love as you hear everything that Jesus did just for you. That's what Lent's all about. It's all about the good news. And when it's all about the good news, you won't miss the point. Amen.